shepherds came to see the baby stood by his mother's side here lay the savior inside a manger oh what a glorious night oh what a glorious night i hear the angels singing Shining in the sky Below in Bethlehem The king is sleeping Oh, what a glorious night Oh, what a glorious night Amen uh, We have Lisa here for announcements this morning Good morning, Lisa 
All right. Um, you probably saw in the lobby today, but uh, the art sale or the art for mission sale is going on today. So join after service for cookies and cider, and you can browse the creative arts and crafts made by Mac kids and youth. And all donations will go to benefit two missionary families, the Dillers serving in Southeast Asia, and then the Reeves, who are serving international students in Richmond, Virginia. And the Christmas giving donations are due today. Cash donations can be put in the marked envelopes located uh, on the Christmas tree um, back there, and or you can place them in the offer or place them in the offering box. Uh, food items can be placed in the box at the base of the tree. And please join us on Christmas Eve at 6 p.m. for a special service. We will have carols, candlelight, special music from our children's ministry and the Christmas story. Child care will be provided for infants and toddlers. Uh, the Wednesday night meal and study is postponed until January 6th. And also there is no youth tonight. So, there you go. Thanks, Lisa. Um, we are in our third week of Advent, which is joy. Um, and I wanted to share with you guys, I don't know, can you hear me in this mic? Um, recently in our home group, we were um, kind of just talking about, kind of talking about this, kind of not, but anyways, there was something that stuck with me. Somebody said that if there's anyone in this world uh, that has anything to be joy about, joyous about, it's us as Christians. And as it just really stuck with me so many times, I lose sight of, of God, His presence, um, His promises, and the hope that he offers us. And so, because I'm caught up in my circumstances, and life is never meant to be perfect. Jesus said that we'd have trouble, um, but he overcame the world. And um, so, in this season, you know, we're preparing and we're celebrating. Um, uh, and it's surrounded with the fact that, that Jesus Christ came to give us hope, to save us, and to make our relationship right with God. And this is eternity. We're not just talking about the here and now. And so as we worship this morning, I invite you to stand. Um, are you enjoying your God, your Creator? Are you enjoying His presence in this time, celebrating who He is? And and I'm not just talking about in here singing songs. Um, but your heart, I, I pray your heart is rejoicing in who He is. Um, and so, whatever the things are that are in your life that are holding you back from that, I just just give it to Him and give Him perspective, or get His perspective for it. Um, and let Him take the weight. His shoulders are a lot bigger than ours. And um, so, anyways, we're going to keep worshiping. Please stand with us. Uh, Psalm 100 says, Shout with the Lord, all the earth. Worship the Lord with gladness. Come before Him, singing with joy. Acknowledge that the Lord is God. He made us, and we are His. We are His people, the sheep of His pasture. Enter His gates with thanksgiving. Go into His courts with praise. Give thanks to the Lord and praise His name, for the Lord is good. His unfailing love continues forever, and His faithfulness continues to each generation.
A song declaring that we belong to Jesus. He is all we need. Lift up a heart of praise. Sing now with voices raised to Jesus. Sing to the That's totally not how we practice that. I love it.
Amen. A child has been given A king of our freedom Sing for the light has come This is Christmas And come and adore Him And bring gifts before Him Joy to Son, this is Christmas. This is Jesus, Emmanuel. Be with us and tell all the world that we have a Savior. We have a Savior. We song of hope. This is Christmas. This is Jesus Emmanuel. God with us. Tell all the world that we have a Savior. We have a Savior. We
Sing it out, shout it loud, cover all the earth, let the sound of the saints everywhere be heard. Praise the God who has come, cure every broken heart. Is Lord over all, His reign will never end. Through the fire and the flood, He draws His children in. He's the light of the world, brighter than the brightest star. The God of brilliant lights is shining down over us, breaking through the darkness, covering all the earth. Whoa, His love is like an ocean. Whoa, forever overflowing. The God of brilliant lights is shining over us. Sinner, come. Troubles down at the feet of the one whose mercy will abound. He's afraid of our faith, he will never turn away. The God of brilliant lights is shining down over us, breaking through the darkness, covering all the earth. Oh, is shining down over us, breaking through the darkness, covering all the earth. Oh, oh, His love is like an ocean. Oh, oh, forever overflowing. Oh, oh, His love is overtaking. Oh, oh, will never be forsaken. The God of brilliant lights.
descending like a cloud. You're standing with us now, Lord, unveil our eyes. You're the reason we're here. You're the reason we're singing. Open up to heaven, we want to see you. Open up to flood a mighty river flowing from your heart, filling every part of our third Sunday in Advent. Today we light two purple candles and the pink candle. The first Sunday we lit the candle of hope. On the second Sunday we lit the candle of love. Today we light the candle of joy. When we look at the third candle we remember God's promise of joy. God promised to send a savior to the people. One thing that sometimes happens as we get ready to celebrate Jesus's birth is that we expect to be happy all the time. Joy is not the same as happiness. Joy is a deeper feeling created by knowing that God cares for us. Joy is remembering that God sent Jesus so we would always know of God's care. 
During Advent, we pray that we may remember again God's gift of Jesus to the world and know the joy that gift that that gift brings to all people. verse for today is Isaiah 35, 1 through 10. The desert and the parched land will be glad. The wilderness will rejoice and blossom. Like the crocus, it will burst into bloom. It will rejoice greatly and shout for joy. The glory of Lebanon will be given to it. The splendor of Carmel and Sharon, they will see the glory of the Lord, the splendor of our God. Strengthen the feeble hands, steady the knees that give way. Say to those with fearful hearts, Be strong, do not fear. Your God will come. He will come with vengeance, with divine retribution. He will come to save you. Then will the eyes of the blind be opened, and the ears of the deaf unstopped. Then will the lame leap like a deer, and the mute tongue shout for joy. Water will gush forth in the wilderness and streams in the desert. The burning sand will become a pool, the thirsty ground bubbling springs. In the haunts where jackals once lay, grass and reeds and papyrus will grow. And a highway will be there. It will be called the way of holiness. It will be those who, for those who walk on that way. The unclean will not journey on it. Wicked fools will not go about on it. No lion will be there, nor any ravenous beast. They will not be found there, but only the redeemed will walk there. And those the Lord has rescued will return. They will enter Zion with singing. Everlasting joy will crown their heads. Gladness and joy will overtake them, and sorrow and sighing will flee away. haven't picked up on it yet. Joy is the word this morning. Joy is kind of a tough word. Now it's not always, you know, sometimes it's easy to, to be joyful. I mean, it's easy sometimes on a Sunday morning to, to come in here and, and join in singing and, and be joyful. It's easy to be joyful when Jake's on the drums. They're just, they're just kind of exudes joy. And this morning we, we really kind of put together the, the worship, Brian and, and Jeremy, as they were talking about centering around this one word. But understand too that it's not always easy. The tough part of joy is sustaining joy. In keeping that joy. Because sometimes life has a way of destroying any joy that we may have. It might be easy to come here on a Sunday morning and kind of get wrapped up in the praise and and get wrapped up in the excitement and wrapped up in the celebration. But then Monday morning to go back out into the world can sometimes have a way of destroying the joy that we just experienced on Sunday morning. So how do we sustain it? That's the tough question. That's the tough part. What is the greatest sense of joy in your life? The greatest source of joy in your life? You know, some will say they're kids. 
Some will say they're other kids, uh, someone else's kids, not their own. <laughs> Some will say family, family vacations are just times when the family gets together is, is a source of joy. But we're in the third week of Advent. And if you remember, Advent means coming. The coming of Jesus is what we are celebrating, is what Christmas is all about, and what this, these weeks leading up to that is the coming of Christ and, and how we are preparing for His arrival. We've learned that the, the coming of Jesus has brought us hope. That was the first week of Advent. That there is hope, that there is confidence. And that's not a hope like a wish list, but it's, it's hope that there's, there's a confidence in the hope that this will happen. Jesus will come. We found that, that Jesus' coming has brought us peace. And we understand that peace to be a completeness or a wholeness, a rightness. That everything is just fitting together. And there's a peace about it. There's a, there's a completeness about it. And this morning, that if, we, if we've come here with hope, and if we've come here with peace, then the natural outcome of, of hope and peace together is joy. That when there is a confidence and a completeness, there is rejoicing. There is reason to rejoice. Now the Marlowe's just read uh, Isaiah's prophecy concerning the coming of Jesus and the joy that He is going to bring. And if you, if you go back and read Isaiah 35 or remember what was just read, that we find that, the, that nature, the, the parched land, the wilderness will rejoice when Jesus comes. That the, the crocus will rejoice, will go into full bloom. There will be shouts of joy that the feeble hands, the unsteady knees, okay, those that are, that are feeling weakness in their bodies. And if you look around this morning, <laughs> there's a lot of weakness. I see a lot of half-families here, which means there's probably kids at home not feeling well. And, and the sickness that, that, that is going around right now, and there, there's a, a feebleness that when Jesus comes, that's going to be removed. That there's going to be a time of rejoicing. That the fearful will all be strengthened. The blind, the deaf, the lame, the mute. All those with sickness, disabilities, will have reason to shout for joy. Jesus is coming. It talks about the burnt ground, the desert places where only the jackals live. That there will be a, a spring that will bubble up. That there's a highway that's going to mark the way that the righteous are to go. That the redeemed will travel. A highway prepared. Now, last week we talked about John Lennon's Imagine. And as soon as I read this and I said that there's a highway to heaven. Yeah, I immediately went to ACDC. I don't know why. That's just where my mind went. As they sang, they sang and, and they tried to find joy in a highway to hell. There is no joy in hell. There is no joy outside of a relationship with God, outside of a relationship with Christ. And Jesus brings that. Isaiah paints a, a very clear picture, not of Jesus' first coming, but really this picture is of His second coming. When He will return again, when He will come back and set all things right. And we rejoice in that. We can find joy in that. But as we think of Christmas, 
as we, as we think of joy, we think of the angel's message. When the angel appeared before the shepherds as they were out washing, watching their, their flocks by night or washing their socks by night or whatever. The angel appeared to them and, and fear overtook them. And the angel said, do not be afraid for I bring you good news of great joy. Not just joy. Not just happy thoughts. I bring you good news of great joy. Immeasurable joy. Now the birth of babies is oftentimes a joyous occasion for most people. That the, 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 the families that, that bring in this little one into the world. Now, some of you may know Doug and, and Abby Nethaway. They've attended here for a couple years. And, and uh, Abby just uh, gave birth last, uh, last week. In fact, two days ago on Friday morning, uh, about 3.16 in the morning, uh, she gave birth to an 11-pound, 4-ounce toddler. Um, we told her that was going to happen. And uh, it proved true. But Friday morning when I got up, the excitement that led up to that day uh, and the pronouncement that came onto Facebook, and I'll just, I'll quote Doug, Doug put, I have the joy of announcing that our son was born this morning. Isaiah Douglas Clay Nethaway joined us at 3.16 a.m. He's 11 pounds, 4 ounces, and 21 inches long. Now, as I looked at that this morning, or I guess yesterday morning, 198 people liked that post. 54 people sent comments of congratulations and, and wanting to share and can't wait to meet him. And, and, and all those people that joined in the joy of this birth. 198 people joined in the, in the joy of, of the birth of Isaiah, of Isaiah Douglas Clay. But Jesus, His birth... The birth that we celebrate every year all around the world was not just for 198 friends and family. He says it is great joy for all people. That there is a joy coming, that Jesus is bringing a joy that is, is, is a potential for all people to experience. Because Jesus is coming. Because we celebrate Christmas, because we understand what the angel's message was, we have hope. And we have peace. And if we have peace and we have hope, we have joy. We have a reason for joy. But true joy doesn't always originate in events. But originates in God. True joy doesn't originate in the birth. But it originates in the person of God. And that's sometimes what's hard, because we can get wrapped up in the highs and the lows of life. Joy is one of the fruits of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, and we can rattle off that list, but I, I want us to really focus on that, that joy this morning. That joy is one of the supernatural outcomes of the Holy Spirit residing in the life of a follower of Christ. It's not something we muster up. It's not something that we, we try to, to, to make happen in our life, that we have to, to come under this, this high emotional time. The joy is just a natural outcome of the, infilling, of the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. 
But it's one of the fruits that just, that just grows. It's that inner character quality. Joy. It's not a surface level emotion. It's not something that we turn on and turn off. When the Greek word for happy, a lot of times we think of joy and happiness as the same thing and it's not. They're worlds apart. The Greek word for happy appears in the New Testament. It's actually translated, does anybody know? It's actually translated blessed. The word, the Greek word for happy is, is translated for us for blessed. So when Jesus t- preached his Sermon on the Mount and he said, blessed are the poor in spirit, he actually said happy are the poor in spirit. Happy are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Happy are those, and that's all happy, happy, happy. But that's not joy. There's a difference. Happiness is a surface level. Happiness is an emotion. Joy is not an emotion. Joy is a natural outcome of the Holy Spirit in our life. It's a direct result of the hope that we have. That confidence and the assurance that we have in God. It's a direct result of the peace, the the wholeness, the completeness that we have in God. It is the all-time response of the believer. This is what makes joy so hard. That no matter the circumstance, no matter the situation, our response is to be joy. Now again, it's easy when things are good. It's easy in the highlights of life. But it's not always easy to have that that deep-seated happiness. That that deep-seated Excitement. Because joy is an attitude that originates deep in the heart. It's a response to the reality of God in any and every situation. Philippians says, Rejoice in the Lord always. Uh, And in case we missed it, Paul said, I'll say it again, rejoice. Rejoice in the Lord always. Always. And that rejoicing, it comes from the same root word as joy. Always. Joy is not dependent on a situation. It's dependent upon our ability to see God in a situation. And to be able to to know that God, that we have confidence in God, that we have hope in God, that we have completeness and wholeness and peace in God. And so whatever the world brings at us, whatever situation we are facing, we can rejoice. Because God is in it. Because God is, is gone before us. God is sovereign in it. Happy and excitement are easy emotions. And it's often based on, on what we would perceive as good or, or favorable circumstances. Those highlights, births, graduations, weddings, retirement, new jobs. Those are easy to get excited about, easy to be happy for, easy to show joy, to rejoice. But joy is the action. This is my definition of joy this morning. Joy is the action that focuses on the reality of God in any and all situations. 
Joy is the action that focuses on the reality of God in any and all situations, resulting in praise and rejoicing. That's joy. And that's the hard part. The any and all situations. The rejoice in the Lord always. So how do we exhibit true joy? When the circumstances are less than pleasant. Because joy is dependent on our hope and our peace. Our confidence and completeness. But most of us, if we're honest with ourselves, have a joy deficiency. We are a lot of times deficient of joy. We lack it. And we wait for the next good thing to come along that we might grasp it again. But we can't just wait. Because it's not dependent upon it. Happiness might be dependent upon circumstances. We can have happy circumstances and we can have sad circumstances. We can have positive and we can have negative things in our life. But joy is not dependent on any of that. Few people will be happy in the midst of a bad circumstance. We're not called to be happy. We're called to be joyful. We're called to rejoice. Always. But many of us get bogged down in events. We get bogged down in circumstances of life. And we, we, we can get excited and, and express joyous praise even during those bad times, but it's not really who we are. We're not really expressing our true self. So how do we sustain joy? How do we sustain joy from the good times into the bad times? Let me give you three things that we need to do. One is we need to understand that sorrow enlarges our capacity for joy. That those bad times actually enlarge our capacity to be joyful. To rejoice. And that doesn't always make sense, but if we begin to look at it that way, if we begin to allow God to to show us Himself in the midst of the trouble, we'll enlarge our capacity for joy. Isaiah's prophecy in Isaiah chapter 35 that we read was talking about a parched land shouting for joy. Was talking about the unsteady knees, the blind, the lame. They were the ones rejoicing because Jesus was coming. And they understood that in the light of these bad circumstances, this parchness, this, this unsteadiness, this blindness, this lameness, Jesus was going to come and he had, we had confidence and we had, we had hope and we had peace that it was all going to be made whole, it was all going to be made complete. So even in the midst of trouble, we can rejoice. Because we know Jesus is coming. Because we know God can step in and change those circumstances. Jesus, in in one of his most intimate teaching times, I've become fascinated once once I understood that John chapter 14, 15, and 16 were actually Jesus speaking to just the 12 disciples in the upper room after they did communion and Judas left. That he's sitting there with the 11 who he is about to turn out onto the world. He's about to leave. He knows what lies ahead. The next 12 to 24 hours, he's going to be gone from there, from their presence. Crucified on the cross and they're going to be left alone. And I read those three chapters differently 
when I realize the urgency in which Jesus is teaching those lessons. Because he's only giving them the top things they need to know. Because they don't understand that in 24 hours their world is going to turn upside down. And the one person that they put all of their hope in, the one person that they put all of their desires in, all of their time and energy into following and understanding and, and rejoicing in His presence was going to be gone. And Jesus tells them this. He says in John chapter 16, verse 17, says, John went on, or Jesus went on to say, In a little while you will see me no more. And then after a little while, you will see me. Now what he's telling them is that in a little bit, I'm going to die. I'm going to be gone. You're not going to see me anymore. And then in a little while, three days later, I'm coming back. And you'll see me again. And they didn't understand that. They were asking. It says that at this, some of his disciples said to one another, What does he mean by saying, In a little while you will see me no more, and then after a little while you will see me? Because I, and he said, and said, Because I am going to the Father. They kept asking, What does he mean by a little while? We don't understand what he is saying. Jesus saw that they wanted to, that they wanted to ask him about this, so he said to them, are you asking one another what I meant when I said, In a little while you will see me no more, and then after a little while you will see me? I tell you the truth, you will weep and mourn while the world rejoices. Okay, you're going to weep and mourn because all of your hopes and dreams are going to come crashing down on a cross. And the world is going to rejoice because the world thinks it just got rid of one of the, the pests, one of the, the evils of the world, one of the blasphemers has gone away. And so the, while, you re, while you are mourning, the world is going to rejoice. You will grieve, but your grief will turn to joy. You see, you've got to go through that grieving. You've got to go through that missing. You've got to go through that sorrow. And then that grief is going to turn to joy. Why? Because Jesus is coming. And He is our hope. And He is our peace. He's our confidence. He's our completeness. And so even in the midst of sorrow, we know that the grief will be turned to joy. Paul told the Romans, in Romans chapter 5, he said, not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings, which means we rejoice, or we find joy in our sufferings. And this is a tough verse too. He says, we, we, we also glory in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance character, and character hope. Confidence. So we rejoice in our suffering because we know that it's going to expand our capacity for receiving joy. And then how much greater will the joy be at the end of the suffering? That direct correlation between the source of our hope and our ability to rejoice. And suffering many times is just a step towards joy. And we need to begin to see those situations that way, to, to understand that, that God is allowing this suffering into our life, this trouble into our life right now, because He's going to turn it to joy. And we can find joy in the midst of the suffering because of the confidence, the hope, and the peace that we have in making it right. It was the expectation. If you read through the New Testament, 
Every writer, and I was amazed. This week, do do a word study on joy. Just go into Bible Gateway when it says search, type in joy, and just read every verse that talks about joy. Maybe go back, put it in context. Now I'm going to tell you, don't wait till Friday to do this. You're going to have to start Monday because it's going to take a long time because joy is used a lot throughout Scripture. But as you get to the New Testament, one of the things I found as I was doing that very thing, typing in joy and reading all of the, uh, of the, the verses that deal with it, is that all of the authors lived with this expectation that joy was going to be the natural all-time experience of the believer. That they would constantly refer to that, that we would have joy in the midst of suffering, that we, that we would rejoice in our suffering, that we would find joy in the heartache. And I had to ask myself, is that my experience? It's kind of like what Brian, Brian said this morning. As, he, as Brian was talking this morning, I leaned over to Sarah and I said, he just preached my sermon. And she said, good, let's go home. But, but can we do that? Can we, can we find joy? Because the circumstances is what makes it hard. That we overcome that. that, that let me give you this. In understanding that, that suffering enlarges our capacity or increases our capacity for joy. Do you understand then that in the midst of that, if it's not dependent upon circumstances or people or, or things that are happening, that joy is a choice? You can choose joy or you can choose no joy. The choice is ours. Joy is a choice and Satan would rather keep us all bound up in the trouble, all bound up in the suffering because he, know, he knows what can happen when a person finds joy in the midst of suffering. His weapons are over. He can't battle that. He can't hit us. If, if he knows he can't hit us hard enough with suffering and trouble that, that he steals our joy, his hands are tied. John tells us that the thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. He wants to come and and steal our hope. To kill our peace, to, to kill our wholeness, our completeness, our rightness. And to destroy your joy. But Jesus says, I have come that you might have life and have it to the full. Have it to completion. Have it to to fullness. Jesus is coming and He's bringing with Him a joy that the world does not understand. And that can only be be granted through Him, can only be found through Him. Because while we understand that joy is going to increase our capacity, or that suffering is going to increase our capacity for joy, we have to understand that joy is connected to our relationship with God. If our relationship with God is out of whack, our joy is out of whack. That angel announcing good news of great joy was announcing that this baby was going to come and reconcile all people to God. That was the great joy. That was the only hope for joy is that we had a relationship with God and Jesus was coming to establish that relationship. To give us the opportunity for the first time ever to actually experience joy, not just happiness. God is the giver of joy. And it's through the indwelling of the Holy Spirit that that the fruit of joy can be produced in our life. No matter the circumstance. See, joy is a part of God's nature. God is joyous. 
I read a book a long time ago, and, and I, I think it was written in the 80s, maybe early 90s, by Tony Campolo. Um, and I pulled it off the shelf this week as we're dealing with, with joy. And I began reading it again. And, and the title of the book is The Kingdom of God is a Party. If you've never read that book, read it. It will change your attitude about life in general. That the kingdom of God is a party. That Jesus, or that God is a joyous God. He's a party deity, I think is what Tony Campolo... Tony Campolo always pushes the envelope right up to the edge of what is acceptable. um, And then usually jumps off, but... He said he's a party deity. And and look at the Old Testament and all of the parties that God had established for Israel because he said, I need you to remember that I am a God of joy. And so almost every month they were throwing a party. You know, we talk about tithes and offerings. And that we we need to bring in a tithe, which is a tenth. That, you know, you you take your income, you, you give a tenth, and you give it to the church. Do you know that Israel... Had, the, had a tenth that they gave to the priests that, that sustained the priest in the temple and all the things that were going on in the temple. But they also gave another tithe. And that tithe was just for a big old party. That was what it was to be used for. He said, bring in a, a tenth of your grain, a tenth of your wine, a tenth of your cattle, a tenth of your flocks, anything you have, bring a tenth into the temple and we're just going to throw a big old party. And if it's too far for you to travel, then sell your grain, bring the money, and we'll buy what we need when we get here and we're just going to celebrate for a week. For absolutely no reason other than God is a party deity. And God is a God of joy. And he said, I want you to remember that. Because life's going to get hard. Life's going to get difficult. And he said, I want you to remember that God is a God of joy. And so once a year, you just need to throw a big old party for no other reason than to celebrate God's goodness. His joy. As Brian said earlier, Christians really are the only people on earth who have a reason to be truly joyful. Because we have that relationship with God. We know the party deity. We know the God of joy. To restore joy, or even express joy in our life, to sustain joy, our relationship with God has to be given a number one priority over anything else in our life. And I know that's a Sunday school answer. How do you sustain joy? Well, put God first. Now, those are the, there's two Sunday school answers. You can use these answers to every question asked. One, put God first. Two, pray. If you just memorize those two answers, you'll never come up, you'll never be stumped with a question. Put God first and pray. And I know that that, that sounds trite, but that's the truth. That if we want to sustain joy in our life, God has to be the number one relationship. God has to come before our kids. God has to come before our spouse. God has to come before our work, before our friends, before anything else. That God has to be the number one relationship in our life or our capacity for joy will be diminished. As we grow in our intimacy with God, and that's in front of your bulletin, we have five little words that we kind of 
maneuver around here at Mac, and, and the very first one is growing in intimacy with Christ. And that as we grow in our intimacy with God, our life better reflects hope. We, we reflect peace and we reflect the joy that is ours in Him. That as we grow deeper in our relationship, our hope becomes more confident, more certain. Our peace becomes more complete, more whole. And, and, our, and our joy becomes much more expressed, much deeper felt. To ride us through those tough, tough times. And if that relationship is out of sync in any way, all other relationships are going to be as well. Psalm chapter 4, verses 6 and 7 said, Many are asking, Who can show us any food? Let the light of your face shine upon us, O Lord. You have filled my heart with greater joy than when their grain and new wine abound. You see, there was a, a famine, there was struggle, there was, there was a lack of food, a lack of wine, a lack of drink, and, and said, who can show us food? Who can bring us this food? And, and the psalmist David said, you know what? I have a greater joy in my heart because I know the Lord. You have given me greater joy than food and wine could ever give. When the world is relying on the circumstances of the grain harvest and the circumstances of the new wine, David understood that joy was found nowhere else but in a relationship with God. That he turned to Him in the midst of that circumstance. So joy then is a choice. It's a choice of, of turning to God. We can, we can focus on the hurt and the sorrow and the uncomfortable circumstances or we can turn and we can choose to rejoice in the God who loves us. And the God who gives us hope. And the God who gives us peace. And the God who, who gives us joy. David proclaimed in Psalm 62, Find rest, O my soul, in God alone. My hope comes from Him. He alone is my rock and my salvation. He is my fortress. I will not be shaken. My salvation and honor depend on God. He is my mighty rock, my refuge. Trust in Him all at all times. O oh, people, pour out your hearts to Him, for God is our refuge. David understood that that foundation of my relationship with Jesus is going to be the only thing that can sustain joy in my life. That I need not look anywhere else, and I need to spend my, my quality time focusing upon that relationship. Making sure that that relationship is healthy. And everything else will pour out of that. So we need to understand that suffering enlarges our capacity or increases our capacity for joy. We need to understand that it is our relationship with God that is, is most important to giving us joy, that God is the giver of joy. And the second thing is we need or the third thing is we need to understand that joy is also connected to our relationship with others. Not circumstantially, but just in our relationship with other people. Our joy is our ability to sustain joy. So, choose your friends wisely. When we seek God as our source of joy, He may very well use other people to be a reason for rejoicing. And we see this throughout the New Testament as well. 
when we witness God working in their life, when we witness the reality of God transforming and changing another person's life, there, there, I know it works for me. There's a reason for rejoicing. There's a reason that, that just wells up and bubbles up that I see God working in another person's life. That we have the opportunity to be a source of joy in someone else. When we focus upon our relationship, when we are obedient to Christ, when we are allowing God to move us and change us and transform us and, and live out a Christ-like life, other people watching that can rejoice in that, can see the reality of God and well up with joy and sustain their joy by the way we live our life or not. Because we could be Debbie Downer all the time too and just bring them all down with us. Come into my pit wallow in my dirt for a while feel as bad as I do about the life that I'm in I want to warn you about spending too much time with those people they may even be believers they may have a relationship with God but they've just allowed the world to, to swamp them to, to overcome them with all the bad circumstances in their life now you may need to touch base with them you may need to rub shoulders with them but the longer you hang around with them the more you wallow in their filth your ability to sustain joy will be greatly diminished the two greatest commandments all the commandments boil down to two things what is it? love God, love people those are the two relationships, the two things that we're to focus on. Love God, love people. And what the world needs is better joy models. We need better people who are not role models, but joy models. That they model joy for us. Now I watched, I looked around this morning during, during worship. Because as I've said before, the music usually doesn't move me. Occasionally it does. But what moves me is watching people rejoice is watching people get caught up in the process. Is watching the worship team totally leave the way they practiced it and do it the way it just felt right at that moment and loving it. Is watching people raise hands or not raise hands do a little dance or not do a little dance but, but to be so caught up in the moment so caught up in the joy of their God that they're not concerned about anything else around them because nothing else matters. That's when I rejoice. To me, that's worship. Watching that happen. We need joy models. We need those who, who because of their intimacy with God, are able to choose joy in the midst of suffering. Choose joy that you may think their life is fantastic and they've just come out of a pit. But they know the confidence and the completeness and the wholeness that they have in God. And the natural response is joy. And the natural response is rejoicing. You can be the reason for someone else's joy. If your relationship with God is priority number one. If you will allow the Spirit to, to bring joy out in your life. Joy is contagious. 
Paul told the Romans that everyone has heard about your obedience to the Roman church, so I am full of joy over you. See, Paul stood back and, and he started that, that church in Rome. And now he was looking and he was watching them grow. He was watching them become obedient. He was watching them uh, become Christ-like and, and their intimacy with God growing. And, and he said, I've become overjoyed for you because of you, because of watching what you are doing with God in your life. Watching the Roman believers grow in their own relationship, their, their obedience was a source of joy for him. It's interesting, you know, Paul wrote two letters to the church at, at Corinth, the Corinthian church. And in 1 Corinthians, the word joy never appears. He didn't use it one time. Because it was a hard letter. Because the Corinthian church was really kind of messed up. They had a lot of bad things going on. And Paul found no reason to joy, to have joy in what he was watching. So he wrote this, this tough letter and he began to write some of the wrongs and tell them how they needed to change and what they needed to do. And in the second letter, he uses joy five times. Because they had made the change. He said, they, he said working with them in their growth was a source of joy. In chapter 2 he said the first letter he was, was hard on them with confidence that they would deepen their devotion to God and they would share in the joy that they have. In chapter 7 he said he, was, he has confidence in them and their walk with God. Even in all the hardships Paul was facing, he found joy in their relationship with God. In the way in which they were expressing it, in the way in which they were living it out. And what at that time was probably the most evil city in which to plant a church. Rome. They were growing. They were growing in their intimacy with God. They were growing in their expressions of joy and their rejoicing. And Paul, who was watching this like a, like a father watches a child, was sharing in that joy. We need to grow in intimacy with God, but we also have to grow in our relationship with one another to be a source of joy for each other. Be a joy model for other people. Be a source of joy. That people want to be around you because it's just good to be around you. That you just, you just exude joy. The, the, the filling of the Holy Spirit, the, the fruit of the Spirit, joy just comes out. No matter the circumstance, no matter the situation, whether it's 65 degrees in December, or 25 degrees in December and a foot of snow. See, now I rejoice with the 65. Chaz is rejoicing thinking that there's at some point snow is coming. But just to be joyful. To rejoice. Joy is a settled conviction about God. It's a confidence in God. The choice to, to praise God no matter the circumstance. So this morning, where is your source of joy. It's the same question I started with. What is your source of joy? Because if it's anything other than God, we need to reevaluate where we're finding joy. One of the five little words that we are that I mentioned before that, that growing in intimacy with, with Christ is the first one that we are striving to become. The last word is stewarding our lives. And when we talk about stewarding our lives, we turn to 1 Timothy 6, verse 17, where it says, Command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant nor to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, 
but to put their hope in God who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. Now, what was the time we missed that? We think Jehovah Jireh, the great provider, that He provides all of our needs, but do you understand He provides everything for our enjoyment? That He provides things for us to enjoy. That we can find joy in everything. Even the suffering we can find joy in. Because God has brought it. God has allowed it. He's, he's allowed it to enter into our world so that it will enlarge our capacity to know Him better. And in knowing Him better, our relationship, we grow more intimate and deeper with Him. Our joy is, it becomes deeper and richer. And then we can be a joy model with our relationships all around us. So when the angel said, I bring you good news of great joy, Jesus is coming. Jesus is coming to change our life. Jesus is coming to change our outlook, to transform who we are from the inside out, to reconcile us to God. That we might be His ambassadors, His joy models to the world on who God is. Father, this morning... We acknowledge you as the great joy giver. And Father, we need to taste of your joy. We need a, a new filling of your spirit that joy would pour out of us, especially at this season when, for so many, this season is hard, lonely, not fond memories. But Father, help them to find joy in you, to renew that relationship. Father, show us your love. Show us your hope, your peace. Lord, that we can truly rejoice. Lord, not, not from a surface level. Our desire is to have heartfelt joy. Always, and we'll say it again, rejoice. In Jesus' name, amen. Please stand.
double times Sing when I win I can sing when I lose my step And I fall down again I can sing cause I pick me Sing cause you're there I can sing cause you hear me Lord When I For joy to the Lord. Let us shout aloud to the rock of our salvation. Let us come before Him with thanksgiving and extol Him with music and song. For the Lord is the great God, the great King above all gods. In His hand are the depths of the earth, and the mountain peaks belong to Him. The sea is His, for He made it. And His hands formed the dry land. Come, let us bow down and worship. Let us kneel before the Lord our Maker, for He is our God, and we are the people of His pasture, the flock under His care. Go this week and rejoice. Let everyone know your confidence, your hope, your peace lies in the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Amen? Amen. 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 Have a great week.